0: Greetings and welcome to another episode of Church is Changing. I'm Paul Nixon and I am here with Bernd Schwinkschuster, who is the pastor of the United Methodist Church in Metzingen, Germany. Bernd, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. It's good to be here. You are a church planter. Twelve years ago, you planted this congregation in Metzingen, and there had been another church there before you planted. You inherited a building with no people, correct?
1: Yes, correct. Uh, We had a a church building here, but uh, the former congregation was no more alive. So they stopped the work of the church, of the congregation here, and there were about five years, no Methodists in Metzingen anymore. And after that
0: time, we started a new congregation. So, they say sometimes that when this happens, that the, the land went fallow for a few years, and then you started again. Now, Bernd, how did you become a church planter? Was that something that you had wanted to do, or did you just sort of find yourself asked to do this in surprise?
1: No, I never thought about uh, planting a church I uh, was asked by another church planter if I would be uh, willing to do the church planters education in the south part of Germany after the general conference of the united methodist church decided to plant churches all over the world and so we as Germans we thought how can this be how can this uh, happen and so we started to educate people as church planters and I'm one of them and I did this ch- church planter education I think 2007 to 2009 about that Are you from southern Germany originally? I am from southern Germany, yes, from even from the part here I grew
0: up about 50 kilometers from here. Oh nice. Well that that often helps with planting just to kind of understand the territory and yes, how people think. You speak
1: the language, you know the culture, you have friends around, you know how uh, the church life is around. Did you grow up United Methodist?
0: Yes. My parents are United Methodists. So you grew up going to youth events and so forth and...
1: Yeah, we we had a very cool youth group and I I grew up in in Sunday school and we had teeny events and uh, then the youth group. And then I, I worked as a landscape gardener. Then I went to the army in Germany, to the Bundeswehr. And I think one day we gathered and I met some old friends. And after some years, everybody worked, the conversation moved. To the question, "Is this the place and the job I want to do the whole life that will come?" and we we started a, a conversation and, and talked about what can we imagine other people could also do instead of landscape gardening or working in a in a bank or or in an office. And many people, I think we were seven or eight people sitting around the table, and four or five of them told me that they think I should become a pastor. And so this was the reason I got a pastor. And then I had quite traditional old congregation for six years when I was starting as a pastor. And after my ordination, I worked there for three more years, and then I moved to Metzingen.
0: Now, Germany is a famously secular country, so I'm going to imagine that as you grew up, many of your friends were not Connected with any sort of organized religion. Is that true? Yes.
1: We, we live in the, um, how do you say, uh, in the Bible Belt of Germany. It's the the southern part of Germany. There are many congregations uh, until now, and uh, many Christians live here, but most of the people, they do not have any contact to organized kind of religion or, or church. I think it's even the first time in whole Germany that there are more than 50% who are not members of any organized religion. I think last year or
0: something like that, this, this mark was broken. I grew up in Southern California and most of my friends in school were not religious. And I think over the years that sort of was helpful for me in learning how to, to talk about faith or to explore faith with people that were non-religious without everybody becoming nervous. Was that helpful for you, growing up with lots of people that were not religious? I would say I grew up
1: in the Christian bubble. Oh, really? Really? Yes, and I met a lot of people then in the army, and when I was working as landscape gardener, who had no contact to uh, any sort of religion or spirituality, And when we started the congregation here in Metzingen, I asked some people if they would join me in asking, how can church be in future? And many of them, they were non-Christian people. They were not involved in any kind of church life. And that was um, my, those people were my direct speaking partners and they, they taught me a lot how a church could be to be relevant for the people.
0: I love the idea that they taught you a lot, and what you and your team have created is certainly different than what most folks would associate with church, when you hear that word. What was the first thing that you did in Metzingen that maybe colored outside the lines of what people might expect from a pastor or from a church?
1: We started with small groups and in the first year, the small groups quite grew fast and strong. And then we asked ourselves the question, how can we be church in the community here? And uh, we had three parts of church life. We wanted to have small groups. We wanted to have a worship, however this worship would look like. And we wanted to uh, do a social project for others and so in the second year we started with a gathering or worship but not in uh, the church building we had we started it in a bar uh, in a in a pub and this gathering grew very fast we started i think with 15 people and six months later we were about 50 people and the room was too small And so we changed to another room. We changed to a cocktail bar and had our gatherings there. And that was really helpful for us to have this uh, kind of experience that people say, wow, church church can be differently. And church has answers to the questions that makes my life, um, that come in my life.
0: So, one of the things that strikes me about a decision made early in this project is you chose not to use this church building for worship, even though it was sitting there and available to you.
1: Yes, we we wanted to, to have a very low step for the people to join us. And the church building is always a very high step to go there. You don't know the, the room, you don't know what. How how do I have to behave there we are the the heads of a building and we tell the people you have to behave like this if you come here so if we're anywhere else we are the guests and we behave like guests and we ask how can we be here is it okay if we sing this kind of songs is it too loud what about the other guests who who are here and at the beginning it was really a, a strange feeling to to worship in the middle of people who are sitting and, and looking around and but we got used to it and it's fine and the people you, you got into in into uh, talks to each other and talked about church and how church can be and what people think about church how church could affect their life yeah it was a it's still a good time we're still uh, in a restaurant at the moment after 12 years and for us, it's important to to eat together, to have uh, lunch together or dinner together. And that's part of uh, the gathering we have.
0: In the early days when you were meeting at the pub, was there it's, – it's a pub – were people drinking beer during the service? No problem. <laughs> in Germany, <laughs> you, you can always drink beer. Uh, but the culture is different here as it is in, in the U.S., well, I think among younger Americans, it's not a problem here either. But it is different. I guess that's a part of the thing is that, and even in Germany, though beer has been loved for centuries, the the idea of combining that kind of environment with worship and with spiritual conversation, it's it's not what a lot of people would think of. It's it's really kind of a confluence of two different kinds of experiences. After 12 years, I can't imagine anything else. <laughs> What did you do at the church building? You have a great piece of real estate. Did you? You, you didn't sell it. No, we we rented to a Russian community
1: at the beginning. They they had uh, their gathering in the church building, and I think there was an Italian uh, congregation there for a while. And then we asked, "What what can we do with this church building?" And one of uh, the member of the congregation here, he had the hobby uh, climbing. So he told us, wh- why not change the, the building to an indoor uh, climbing area where people can just get in touch to each other, where they find um, grip for their life, where they can hang around, where they can do sports, where they can talk to each other, get in community. And uh, so we run an indoor climbing wall in an old church building. I think it's still a church building. A church building is made for getting people together and getting people connected to God. And that is what happens here. The people connect to each other and uh, the volunteers who work there, they are members of the congregation. And uh, so after and after the the people get connected to congregation and to God and to to the questions uh, they have, I had a lot of uh, pastoral care in this building, much more than
0: if there was a usual congregation, I think. So for people who haven't ever seen such a thing, I walked into this building, I guess it was maybe 6 years ago. The ceiling of the building is high. It's a kind of a vaulted ceiling. It's a church building in sort of a traditional sense, and the climbing wall goes all the way up high above the the floor, and there's young people there most of the time climbing up the walls with their ropes and all. How many people come and go and use this place from the community?
1: Before Corona, we had about 10,000 people a year who used the building. My goodness. We have a lot of companies, we have schools, we have kindergartens, and we run the 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 climbing uh, center uh, six days a week. It's open, everybody can come. So there are volunteers who talk to you, who uh, tell you, this is the equipment, you can take it, and it's all run by donations. There is no entry entrance fee or something like that.
0: So people donate as they come, and does that pay for some staff who are there to, to see to it that safety protocols are enforced and so forth?
1: They don't pay for the staff. No, there is no entrance fee. They pay if they uh, need climbing shoes or a rope or something like that, but they don't pay any fee.
0: So the volunteers are certified... To be sure that it's safe, and people know what they're doing and
1: yeah that's uh yeah they 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 are not allowed to give a lot of advice if then anything happens, the insurance would say the volunteers they told to do it like that, so it's not allowed. The people have to sign that they know how to uh, make a knot that they know how to uh, wear a harness, and that they know how to use a uh,
0: the gear in the right form, that nothing can happen. Is this is climb? Is climbing a part of the culture? You you live near the Alps, so there is climbing centers. Is that a very popular thing that people might already have had experience with before they come into this place?
1: Mm, it is kind of the culture here. We live in a hilly area. It, it it's not real mountains, but it's a hilly area. But there are a lot of outdoor climbing routes in in the area around here 50 kilometers or something like that but we started 2013 i think to to boulder the 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 sport bouldering went uh olympic 2018 or 2017 so it's it's a huge trend here in 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 germany to to
0: go climbing or bouldering and the insurance has not been prohibitive in order to be able to do this No. No. That may be a translation to to some other economies and l- nations. When I when I have introduced this idea in the United States, people have immediately panicked and said our insurance would never allow it. I think if if they explored closer what you did, it, they might discover there's a way in in any space in any context to do what 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 you're doing. It just seems like such a creative use of space. To take a church building that nobody wanted to go to and to create a space where 10,000 people want to go to. Yes. That in itself, you flipped that building in terms of it being a magnet for people.
1: Yeah, and I think that this is how a church has to be, and this is what a church building has to be that people love to go there and say, this is a place where I uh, cannot just climb or sit, but where I can meet
0: people and, and get good conversations. So you were a church meeting in a pub with small groups and then really interfacing with the public in this climbing center that you put in an old church building. And then the pandemic hit. What happened? The climbing center had to close the
1: doors that was not it was not allowed to go doing sports indoor for about ten months. I think the congregation we thought about how can we do church life if we don't have rooms where we can sit with a lot of distance to each other and so we had our gatherings for about two years completely outdoors, outdoors. It, It's a young congregation the the problem was not 10 degrees under zero and snow. The problem was uh, five degrees over zero and rain. And we're a very young congregation with many young children and families. And so we we met outdoor, but we we had online preaching or online uh, gatherings where the people also could watch the sermon or, or where they could meet. And we had a very strong small group system. We call it semester groups at the moment. The groups, they meet for 10 uh, sessions and then there is a break. And the groups, they gather after three months again in different constellations. And there is a help group, for example. They you, you can You can call them and say, I need to... I need to repair my roof. Can you help me? And 10 people come. And then there is, oh, we call it black bread evenings, uh, where you you get Bible teaching. Then you have Bible in everyday's life group. You have so called black sheep meetings, uh, where all the people who say, I'm a black sheep, I'm uh, not a church person. And we gather all the black sheep, and there are two persons from the congregation sitting around the campfire. And everybody tells about one question he brought to this evening and then we decide what is the question for this evening and let's talk about that question. And so we have different types of small groups that the people can connect very easy. The first person only wants to come very unregularly. So she can go to a playing games evening together. The next person is very, will come every time and say, I want to talk about my faith. And so we we have, where always two people go, they get some questions and they talk about those questions and make
0: them go for a walk. How creative. It sounds so creative, Bernd. It sounds like a lovely gathering where it's so different than a person lecturing and us just listening. It sounds extremely relational, conversational, exploring what people are thinking and wondering and what they've experienced. So because you had practice at this kind of gathering going into the pandemic, was that able to translate into the online experience for a season? Yeah,
1: we we already had online experience before the pandemic. Okay. Uh, we 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 call it brunch at home. It's uh, once every second month we have a small kind of preaching, and we we give the link online to the people and say them you can uh, watch this preaching or this uh, impulse around the campfire or by brunching and meeting other people. You just have to talk ten minutes with the theme we give and what you do around is your problem you can dance you can sing you can (laughs) pray or you can just eat just get a small kind of impulse for the week talk about that impulse and the rest is yours and so we had many good possibilities to come through the pandemic
0: now it's I, I don't know if we're post-pandemic now or not. I'm not sure where we are. But how often do you gather at the pub or the restaurant for, for common worship? Is that weekly or monthly?
1: No, the first and the third uh, Sunday in month, we always gather. Okay. The, the second Sunday in month, we have white sausage uh, climbing where we gather with the congregation and all the climbers who want to come and the fourth uh, second uh, the fourth sunday in month uh, we have our small groups because many people say especially the people with children they say it's very hard to uh, go to a uh, to a small group in the evening and so we
0: provide the sunday mornings where they can gather okay so basically there's something happening kind of the same time each week but it differs from week to week yes yes beautiful now you just threw a festival for thousands of people an event called mudmates what is mudmates oh you you know about mud we know about mud yes yes do you know about mates we do
1: yeah so mudmates the people who go together through every mud and through every challenge and obstacle in life these are the mudmates it sounds like marriage. <laughs> I know it's an obstacle uh, team race. It's a, a team race for the race is about ten kilometers. The course, okay, and there are different uh, types of obstacles. We build those obstacles, and uh, you can uh, join Mudmates as a team with four people, and you start together and you finish together and you have a good time together. That's Mudmates. That's the day Mudmates, but we worked with about 120 volunteers for one and a half years to provide this one day. And it's a bit like Olympia. The Olympic Games is uh, only uh, one week or maybe one month, but to provide yourself for the Olympic Games means you train for about two years. And that is for us mud mates. We met new people. We talked to each other. We thought about how can we do that and so we got in touch with a lot of people who are not very churchly but who want to be
0: part of something very big. So who invented this idea of mudmates? Did you come up with that? Or is that a, something that exists in other places as well? Uh,
1: in Europe there are similar races. They call they're called tough mother or strong man or extreme battle fatakus race, stuff like that. Okay. But there is no no very big team run in the South part of Germany. The next one is about 250 kilometers away from here. And we had many climbers who uh, took part at those races and they told us why not do something like that. And then we thought about, and uh, we had a we had some big companies and there were 5,000 people
0: there at this uh, day, four weeks ago. So it was a huge event. Five thousand people and you're a church of about a hundred people how does that work how did how did you manage this we had about
1: 320 volunteers there are many people who are not member of the church but they are part of the church and they bring what they can and they help and um, we're together on our way and to be together on the way means to talk about life, to means to talk about challenges in life, and that's how I as a pastor and how we as a congregation try to, to be missionaries and uh, to talk about what means in our life to be
0: Christian and, and to, to have a good news for the people around. I want to just come back to some words you just said. There are many people who are not members of the church, but they are a part of the church. So your sense of community and even the potential team of folks that were able to do this community event, which was really lifting up friendship and camaraderie. Your church is bigger than the membership, it seems.
1: Yeah, it's a a lot, a lot. I work with about 250 volunteers at the moment. And have seventy-five to eighty members in the congregation, so wow. that's only one one third. Wow! But we give people the possibility to to work for something their passion flows for, and we we provide them a platform where they can bring their skills and and we tell them, okay, we let's see what 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 where this will go to we we have so called food sharing i don't know if is this uh, an us stuff food sharing i'm not sure what you mean by food sharing it's in germany it's a it's a whole community you take food that would be thrown away and you bring it but it, you know if if you buy a package of onions for example and one onion in the net is not good anymore usually the whole package is thrown away i see So there are people, they take the whole packages, take out the bad onion and share the rest. And that's called food sharing. You can do it with apples, with salad. And it's a very huge community here in Germany. And if you are part of food sharing, there are buildings for example they have a so-called fair tiler uh, it's it's a, a fridge or something like that and there you can bring all the stuff you don't need anymore and other people can just take it for free and many people say wow this is a good thing i want to uh give my time for this i want to give my uh my passion into this just to be just in sense that 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 we, that we have a it is important to, to save the environment, the world, and not throw the the food away, for example. They are not member of the church, but they are part of, of the community and of the church
0: here. I recall you speaking of people in the community hosting Ukrainian refugees. Is that Yes. Has that been a tell us about that. We have a we have
1: a lot of refugees at the moment. And the German uh, government and the communities, the cities and the, the majors, they asked people to open their houses for the refugees. And uh, many of the members of my congregations, uh, they they opened their houses and they, they said, okay, we have a guest room. So there can be a couple or a, a mother with a child and live here. So I think every second in my congregation has a refugee uh, at home at the moment. And we try to to help them as as possible,
0: the best we can. Among United Methodist congregations, burnt, this is a very unusual church, in a beautiful sort of way. I mean, you, you, it, it it is an outlier in so many ways, and I think a, a a um an experiment that's gone well in ministry that many of us could learn from. But from all that you've experienced. What's, what's a lesson that you wish you could share with every church in the world from this ministry journey in Metzingen?
1: I would say, stop playing church, be the church. Do just what is written in the gospel. Host the refugees. Give food to the people who need it. Be part of the community and just live your faith and, and share your faith and do it in a way that people can get it. Go new ways for being church. In Germany, many people, they show the back on, on the traditional churches. But there are a lot of good churches and and, and and we are not, a I would say, we are not a special church. We have some special stuff, but there are many very modern, innovative churches who, who do a good job. It's how the people live their passion and how they live their life, uh, their their faith and their life, and that's all. The rest is uh, part
0: of God's work. This is the Church is Changing podcast. I am Paul Nixon, and I have been in a conversation with Pastor Bernd Schwinkschuster from Metzingen, Germany. Bernd, I don't know how well I'm doing with your name, but I'm loving this conversation, and I'm loving the vision of church that your congregation is teaching us.
1: May I just tell one more stuff? Please. At the moment in Germany within the Methodist Church, we are in a big change process and I'm a part of this change process. I think it's important that we are in a in a circle where we help people to get in touch with non-church people. And this takes place by just getting people Connected to each other. That's why we do Mudmates. That's why we run an indoor climbing hall. It's not that all of those will sit in my church benches, but it's to get people in touch to each other. The second is to get people in touch to the churchy people. And this this is also with Mudmates, where we as Christians are part of the the teams and uh, provide an obstacle for example or provide food for the people the next is to help people to get in a in a conversation and in the connection to god this takes place in the small groups here and in the worships we have in a in a cocktail bar or in a restaurant and then we need to help people to get to, to do steps in their faith for changing the world and that is our, our vision of the United Methodist Church making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This is our vision this is our concept and I hope that not only we in Germany help the congregations to get this concept on the on the ground but to help uh, all the churches uh, the Methodist churches and all the other churches to to live their their vision and and what God uh, wants us to be, salt in this world and
0: light in this world. It is a compelling vision Thanks for a post-Christendom <laughs> world to see that Church is changing and that the gospel is still very relevant. It is. Thank you, Bernd, and thank you, listeners. We hope you will join us again for another episode of Church is Changing. This is a ministry, Of the United Methodist Church. Church is Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.